session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolokwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show, or suggest topics or books for the program, and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Again, our studio number, 310-441-0555. The book of the week for this week is You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. You're not listening, what you're missing and why it matters. Uh, so uh, I'm going to talk about communication in this first segment, but this book, of course, is on listening, the more receptive side, but actually that it's not a passive type of a thing. Sometimes we think listening means just sitting there and taking in the information, but it actually can be, and when done right, is going to be more active. So uh, looking forward to reading uh, the rest of that and sharing it with you Monday, You Are Not Listening by what you're, uh, by Kate Murphy, What You're Missing and Why It Matters. So I want to start off today talking about communication and so in a way the other side of listening and how we talk and one of the one aspect of how we talk. And so just a broader picture, one of the challenges we face in, in, in almost every area of life or even just being human is balancing different things. Um, because it often is easier to have a rule of thumb where you always do this, always do that. But re in the reality of things, when we are trying to live our life, have relationships, balance our time, um, even disciplining our kids, whatever it might be, usually there's more things we have to balance rather than just be one way or the other and, and find that as the solution. And so and today I'm going to talk about how we communicate and how we express things. And one aspect of that. So people can think, when I'm talking to someone, should I be just open and direct or should I be very kind and loving? And they can seem like two uh, extremes or can feel mutually exclusive because if I'm going to be direct and open, then it has to be harsh. Or if I'm going to be loving, well, then I can't say something that upsets somebody. So maybe I have to hide things, conceal things, or at least sugarcoat things and go around maybe the truth or at least parts of the truth to make it so the other person is not hurt. Um, but really what we want to strive for is to find a balance between the two. How can I be frank or open and honest, but also be loving at the same time? that it doesn't have to be one or the other. And we see this in how people might communicate going to the extreme version of the open, honest, or frank side. They think, well, if I say something that's true, it doesn't matter how I say it because it's true. So I can say, hey, you're, you're stupid, you're this, you made a mistake, this was wrong, uh, why are you doing this, that's the fourth time you did this. Whatever it is they wanna say, and of course, uh, I'm not saying anything too harsh yet, but um, they could think that as long as it's true, then it's okay. And you even hear this, they'll say, well, well, it's true. Whatever I said was true. 
And of course, truth should be a minimum requirement of what we say. We should only say things that are true. We shouldn't say something that is not true, of course, but that's not enough. It's not sufficient to say, well, if something is true, then I can say anything I want. You know, some a million things. Actually, I've, I've talked with my brother Parham about this. Um, when people talk about things being true, infinite number of things are true at any moment. I can say so many things right now. And even that's something that's happening. When I'm doing this show, I'm choosing something to pick out of lots of things that I think are important and hopefully true. But just saying it's a truth, I can talk about anything is not okay. If, if you have a friend and every time you see him or her, you say the meanest thing about them that's true, the worst thing they did in their life, you could say it's true. Remember when you... Uh, you know, got arrested for this. I remember when you did that thing every single time and it's true. So you're not lying. And if we make our only requirement of what we say to be, if it's true or not, then you'll meet that requirement and say, Hey, if they're upset, if they don't like it, that's on them. And that's what people will oftentimes do. They say, if I'm saying something true, that's it. I don't have to be responsible at all for how I say it, how it could be received, how I could say it better. That's on you. And so we don't want to go to that extreme. We do want truth to be our guiding post or one of our guiding posts that we make sure what we say is true. But we don't want to think that just because what we're saying is true, we can say whatever it is, however it is, whenever it is, and it's okay. And anything that the other person experiences, asks for, says they like or don't like, that's on them because it's the truth infinite number of things are truth. I can tell you about the temperature in different cities. I can tell you about what day it is today, tomorrow, yesterday. I can tell you so many things and facts that are all true, but what you choose to say has significance, has importance, and you have to value that yourself. What am I expressing? What am I sharing? Truth is not enough. And then so we want to balance that with being loving. And so loving communication means we are kind, we express things in a way with some consideration for the other person. By that, I mean we can't be fully responsible for how someone takes something we say. So I'm not saying you can say, hi, how are you? And someone says, you hurt my feelings, you're a mean person. But we do want to be mindful of trying to think of how the person is going to hear what we're saying. So sometimes the analogy I use is we talk about walking in someone else's shoes. Sometimes I say you want to listen with someone else's ears, meaning you imagine how the person you're telling this to is going to take it, which of course is general if you don't know the person very well. But then when you know someone well, and the more you understand them, um, how maybe they're sensitive about certain things, what they like and don't like, not that you lie or hide what you're saying, but you might be mindful of certain words you choose, certain things you even say to begin with, and certain ways that you express something that might be more kind. So if you know they have an insecurity about something, it doesn't mean you can't talk about it, but you're aware that this is a more delicate topic for them. So in caring for them and being loving in your communication, you'll be mindful of the words you use, the phrases you use, trying not to come off as judgmental. Maybe even they told you a word or phrase that someone in their life used about this topic that really hurt them. You might be aware to not use that phrase. And also just in general, going back to truth, it might be the truth, but you realize it's not important to talk about right now, or I want to be aware of how I talk about it. 
So the timing matters too if you're being loving in your communication. If let's say um, your loved one is about to go into a job interview and they're a little bit nervous, that would probably be the worst time to talk to them about something they're insecure about. It might be true, but it's a very non-loving communication to tell them something that will make them feel bad about themselves or doubt themselves when they're about to walk into a situation where they're already nervous and about to be evaluated. So again, this goes back to how just because something is true doesn't mean it's okay to talk about it because it's true. That's not enough. So if we're loving, we recognize that when we say something is also important, how we say it, the words we choose, how can I be more kind in how I express this? Even if I'm expressing something, let's say someone did I didn't like, how can I present it in a more gentle way with lack of judgment, without a lot of harshness, so that it actually, first of all, will be better for me too, because the conversation goes better, but also it could be loving that I'm not attacking this other person, which won't feel good to them and won't be good for the relationship as well. So we can say things in loving ways with kindness. It doesn't have to be fake. And, and this is actually where uh, something I've talked about before about being nice can can be this bad word that I talk about. Nice sounds nice, sounds pleasant, but it's actually not something good. Because oftentimes when people use nice as a substitute for loving or kind communication, it means they're being fake and not genuine, saying something they don't mean or something that's not true or something they don't feel just to come off pleasant, be people pleasing, avoid conflict, whatever that might be. And so this could be a form of loving on overdrive. To me, it's not genuine loving conversation, but it's a way of thinking we're being loving because if our uh, guidepost is, I never can hurt you with what I say, well, then likely you're going to have to not be as honest and you lose that side of the spectrum. You're not going to be as open and clear about what you actually feel and what you actually think. And so you share things in a way um, that is not true, but you feel like, well, if the only thing I'm supposed to do is make sure I don't hurt the other person, I achieved my goal. And this is where we have to make sure we don't lose being frank or being open and honest as well. That's where finding the balance can be challenging because sometimes you might say something the other person doesn't like, even if you say it in a loving way. So it's finding that blend of how can I be genuine? How can I be open, honest, and frank, but also be loving at the same time? and that I'm not completely responsible for how the person I'm talking to takes what I'm saying. We can't do that. We can't take on full responsibility for how someone will interpret it. And even sometimes we might say something that we know will be unpleasant, but it could be coming from a loving place that we think it's important or significant to talk about. So we're trying to figure out how can I say something that's honest, open and frank, but also loving that I can't just say, if something is true, I'm allowed to say whatever I want. Doesn't have to be uh, loving, doesn't matter what words I use. If it's true, it's true and that's it. And we don't wanna say, well, as long as I'm being loving and maybe even not saying some things, that's also good. And that's not gonna be good. We can't just be kind to the point where we're afraid to say anything that's important. We have to balance it with being open. Because the issue there is if we're being overly loving in the sense that we're not trying to say anything that hurts the other person, well, then we're going to leave out a lot of important things about what we feel, 
about what's going on, about disagreements we might have that if we don't address, we'll keep building. Maybe we see something in the other person that needs addressing. We're worried about them, how they're taking care of their health or their life in some way uh, that we're concerned about. And those are, of course, almost always going to be very uncomfortable conversations. And so, again, this is where, let's say you see a problem. You might say, well, they're doing something wrong. I can tell them in whatever way, and it's on them to take it however they want. Well, no, you can recognize it's going to be tough. And because I want to be open and honest, how can I say it in the most loving way to actually be more effective in the sense that it's more likely to land and actually have an effect and show that I care about this person. And that could be tough for people is finding that balance. So as always, we have to be uh, teetering between these two things, being aware of, am I being open and honest? But am I also being loving at the same time? And of course, this will involve at times communicating with the person you're talking to before and after the fact when they explain, you know, when you said this, it actually bothered me or hurt my feelings when you said it this way or your tone or whatever it might be. And we will want to try our best to be open and receptive to what they're saying to understand where they're coming from. Doesn't mean you did something wrong or bad, but you're trying to understand how they felt based on what you said. So we can be even more loving going forward. The more you understand someone, you understand their, you know, we talk about love languages, but we can also say how our language can be more loving, how we express things can be more loving to them, what words they like and don't like. Even when it comes to compliments, not all compliments are created equal for all people. Some people will feel better when you compliment them about this or in this way. And if you care about the person you're talking to, if it's still true to you, you'll want to express it in a way that feels good to them, that you know is meaningful. Again, going back to infinite things being true, you might like 50 things about your partner, probably more, but you want to say the ones that you know are, are valuable to them and more important to them because you know that's going to have more significance for them. Just like if you were cooking them food, there's lots of foods they might like, but you want to make them their favorite food or the ones they like and in the way they like it because you know uh, that's what they will enjoy. And so you can say going from the, the open side or the frank side, it's like, well, this is food. It's good. You can eat it. So it doesn't matter if they like it or not. It's the same kind of thing where, yeah, it's food. It's uh, something they can eat. Maybe it's even healthy or whatever it is. It's something that is nourishment and technically is food. So in that way, it's true food, but it might not be something that they like. And so we want to find that balance of, of course, something that's the real food, the real thing, but doing it in a loving way. So showing that love to them. And so we, we have to always be mindful of what we're expressing and trying to balance various things in various ways. We talk about being not passive, not being aggressive, but being assertive. And this is in a way relevant or related to that because in being open and direct, we are approaching uh, being assertive. But if we don't have that loving side, it can teeter towards being aggressive. And of course, if we're not being frank and open and honest enough, we are more likely to become passive, not expressing things the other person doesn't like. So we can see that they are intertwined. But just keep in mind that just because what you're saying is true doesn't mean it's okay. And just because you think you're saying something in a nice way doesn't mean that's good either. It's about finding that balance. Let's go to a commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Talakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 310-441-0555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello? 
Hi, thanks for calling. Hi, Dr. Hi, this is... Uh, uh, I'm calling from the new uh, United States. I have a some questions regarding my son. I just want to make sure my voice is coming correctly. Your, your voice is coming along with some beeping sounds. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we, I can hear you okay. Yes, I am sorry. I have a question okay. regarding my son. Uh, he is 18, guys died a couple of months in April, he's 18. And I have a problem with uh, him uh, regarding the anger, uh, rage, he has it. And then um, I just want to explain everything um, before the family history and everything. And then evaluation we did it on, on, for him. But lately he has a very... Um, anger uh, anger uh, very bad anger when we talk about uh, uh, something he's doing wrong he gets very mm -hmm. upset and then he uh, attacks to throw something to us or breaks some furniture or the glasses or something and uh, i don't know what should i do i'm very worried and um, unfortunately we are not in the same page with my husband and I talked to the doctor, um, psychologist. Hello. I'm sorry. Yes, okay. do you hear me? Yeah, now I hear you again. Go ahead. Yes. I speak with the psychologist, and then psychologist said, uh, if this has happened second time, you should call the police, and then they come and get him, and then uh, they're going to take him to the evaluation or... Uh, something like that. But my husband is not in the same page with me and he said I don't want to ruin his future or something uh, to get uh, for the university. He's going to go and then I don't want to do that. And I am very worried uh, if again this anger, rage anger happened, what should I do? And, and my husband is not going to help me and I just want to know uh, he has a, we have a family history of the bipolar schizophrenia in his father's side uh, and then uh, we did the evaluation for him they said uh, he does not meet the criteria of the autism but um, he has some like the communication uh, um, and then maybe uh, feel uh, he does not feel any empathy and he if he gets sad and uh, do something wrong, he doesn't come and say sorry, and he said he's blaming the other people. And lately, uh, he's doing the using the e-cigarette, e and then e-cigarette gets to the marijuana, and now we find that maybe he <clears throat> selling it, and then we, uh, we told him why you are doing this, and he gets angry, and he said, oh, my sister uh, reports me, and then he then attacked his sister's room and break the, all the heavy furniture. <clears throat> and I am very worried, and I don't know what should I do. Um, I, I just want to ask you a question. Well, yeah, that uh, sounds like obviously you're in a very challenging situation. You're not sure how to deal with him. And there's lots of schools of thought, like with the psychologist, it was more of a tough love kind of approach, make him face some serious consequences. Um, but you're saying your husband's not 
on board with that. And that is going to be very important uh, because it's such a hard situation and even just in general for parents to be on the same page and aligned about what they want to do with their kids in general, but especially when we're dealing with something challenging like this, because there's going to need to be consistency and structure in how you guys deal with him. And if you and your husband are not on the same page, that disunity or lack of being connected is likely to create more harm, even if you think you're doing the right thing, but he's against it that probably will backfire, even if what you're doing is right or you think is right. So I think it's important to make sure you and him are on the same page. If you want to talk to a psychologist, go with your husband. I mean, of course, if your son comes, also great, but the way you're describing him, he might not be there. But it's going to be so important for you to be on the same page with your husband. So rather than thinking you have to find the right way and do it yourself, you have to find a way that the two of you can be together on because that's going to be more important than finding just one solution that is the ultimate solution because what you're describing to me it's not an easy situation that i think anyone can say there's one way to handle it and that's it it's pretty complicated there's a lot of things going on it seems like he's in a place your son in a very bad place now what's going on exactly is there anything related to mental illness going on for him internally but also when it comes to anger and rage, we always want to look at what's making the person angry, not saying that how he's expressing it is okay at all. Breaking things or yelling, throwing things is not okay, and we don't want to accept those things. But we want to be aware of if he's telling us he's angry, maybe how he's expressing it is not okay, but we want to make sure that his anger can be okay or the reasons for it, we're going to be okay with at least listening to him. Um, and it might be very challenging based on where the communication is at right now, but I hope you can get to that place. Um, you mentioned the selling of, of things that he might be doing, but you said when he does something wrong or we try to tell him he's doing something wrong, what are other things that come up as issues that you get upset with him and then it turns into a fight? Nothing. If we, uh, we, uh, we, if we don't uh, bother him and uh, tell him to, um, why you are using the I, 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 um, uh, marijuana, don't use it, or I find it in his car and tell his father, and uh, his father keep ignoring. I, I just want to make sure his father is also bipolar, so he uh, does not see it in the beginning. Mm. He was in the same page with me and his uh, sister. And uh, was worried about his brother. I said, Dad, my brother doing this, and it's not safe. Every night he using a marijuana, and now we hear he's start to selling it. And he was in the same page with us. And then in the end, he, my husband turned off with us, and he get in the same page with my son and ignore us. And he said uh, he didn't do anything. And he just leaves them alone, and I am worried if we don't do anything, his anger again came back and do something worse when he goes to the university or later on or something. But if we don't bother him, he uses whatever he wants, the drug or anything, and uh, goes to the university, makes his breakfast or lunch, he, he doesn't bother us. Okay. So, you know, when it comes to things like, you know, you're saying the marijuana, obviously, I'm not going to say it's good for him or we want him to do it. But if 
you make it a, a battle into I'm going to make him stop smoking or I'm going to tell him why do you do this and he's going to stop, it's probably not going to get anywhere other than bad. He's just going to get more angry or think you don't understand him. So I'm not saying support or even give him this uh, approval of smoking marijuana, but I wouldn't make that something that I'm going to get him to stop smoking because you really no, can't I do that. No, I don't want to stop smoking, but okay. I just told him... I, this is not safe. Uh, you use it because uh, I got uh, some depression medicine for him and then boy bands uh, or something for attention. And I told him, if you want to mix it with medicine, this is not right. You cannot mm -hmm. use both of them. And then he attacked me and then uh, he wants to push me to the pool or something. And I just want, I don't know, I just leave him alone, let him to use the... <clears throat> medicine and then marijuana just let him do whatever he wants or just uh, i cannot do anything else i am but worry for the future yeah i can understand your concern and you're trying to bring up things uh, with him and it seems like he's not open at all now of course we want to see how are you bringing things up to his attention or what's the history of those things even when you mentioned those medications like vivance and other things is that stuff that is that he wanted those medications he asked yeah, yeah, to go yeah, see a doctor the, the, yes the doctor gave it for the attention since he take the violence his grade improved very well and then he gets to the very good university and then in, um, right now in summer i see he's using a marijuana and i said and then uh, sometimes uh, he wants to uh, he was nervous so i asked doctor give some medicine to help him to just be relaxed because he has the SAT or SA and he said, I'm very nervous. So I asked the neurologist um, if you can give some medicine to help him to be just a little bit calm to pass the test. And since that, he used the Vitalopram uh, and then Vyvanse, when he has a test, he used it. But right yeah. now he takes the Vitalopram and I told him, you cannot use the Vitalopram with the marijuana. And doctor said you cannot use it, but you are still ignoring us. And then uh, he was very upset and one time break the, all the glasses in the mm -hmm. house, like the china closet or everything. And then the, after three months, he, we, we, we told him, now you are selling it, selling it, that's not right. And then he attacked, he, um, uh, he said, oh, I know who told you, my sister told you. Um, he went to his room and destroyed mm -hmm. all his bedroom, everything was yeah. breaking so, in the piece. So going back though, when you said, you know, he was nervous, I went to the neurologist. So he would tell you, I'm nervous, and you would go get him the medication? He wouldn't yes, meet the with the doctor? Uh, yes, it's, uh, we told the neurologist that uh, um, he has a, um, ADD, they tested for the ADD, and then they approved him for the ADD, and then after that, uh, a little late in the 12th grade, he said, I, I told neurologist he is a little bit nervous or something. Do you think uh, it's a good idea we gave him some medicine like the Pitalopram or something to make him calm uh, for the test or exam? He said, okay, and he uh, prescribed the Pitalopram since maybe six months or last year in the senior Yes, yeah. he used the, the telephone and he, he, But he there's something, let me stop you there for a second. The way, I mean, you know, 
there's something in the way you're saying these things. He was nervous, so I went and got him pills for being nervous. One, that just because he's nervous, we give him a pill to calm him down. I don't agree with necessarily. I mean, it's, I'm not saying medications not can't be helpful or we we don't use it as an option. But the way you're expressing it, I'm, I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. But still, there's something about that that seems a little bit too much like let's just get rid of something we don't like or a feeling we don't like. And secondly, that you would go get it for him, I don't think is good. He has to go with you or meet with a doctor, get evaluated, put no, the we effort went, in. We went to the, together, yes. We went okay, together, okay, good. Evaluated for everything, so we did But the way you say it still, uh, but the way you're saying it, I got him this. No, no, no. No, I okay. asked the doctor, do you think it's good? We went together. He was under 18 that time. Now sure. he's just 18 in the eighth grade. But before, because uh, if he was in the 12th grade and he had to do the, some SAT or ACT, so he was so nervous. So I just, um, he said, I am very nervous. I can't go to sleep. I am worried about tests or something like that. So I asked the doctor, what uh, okay. do you recommend? Is that okay to give us some depression medicine or something to him? He approved it, but we didn't go to the psychiatric doctor. Okay, there's something, I'll be honest, something that still feels a little... Um, uh, as if you're controlling it a little bit too much, which might relate to what's happening now. I'm not saying everything that's happening is related to that, but the way you talk about him and okay he's nervous i went and got him medication i know you're saying well it wasn't that way but there's still something in how you're expressing that that brings up some um, dynamics there that might be related to control that he might be feeling and and he maybe liked it sometimes because you would take care of things for him but mm -hmm. um it's not necessarily good and like i said I, you're right he was if he's nervous and not sleeping that's an issue but i don't you know, our our solution should not be go straight to get a medication to to deal with that and see what he's doing. Does he want therapy? And even the way you say, I told the doctor, is this good? You're right, the doctor approved, but it's as you're trying to make the decisions, it seems like for him and for the doctor at some level. And so I'm getting a sense of trying to get rid of the things you that don't feel good, which I get, we, we don't like something, we want to work on it. But there's some feeling that well, let's give him some medication to calm him down and maybe even that give them gave him this message to use things to calm down or don't have feelings and so the way he's expressing his anger and rage is definitely not okay so i'm not in any way condoning that he can break things and uh, do these types of things but it does seem like you and him or you know as the parents with him have some power dynamics in place where he's trying to fight back against you and so controlling him is only going to make matters worse it's not going to help so you know he's doing something and you don't like it by telling him don't do this you can't do this it's not going to make him stop and it's only going to make him more angry and i'm not saying you have to say do this or support it but we have to be aware of when we bring up something to him you know we have to be mindful of how we tell him what's going on so we're at a commercial break but i want to continue our our discussion about what's happening and what you can maybe do. It's a very challenging situation. So I'm going to put you on hold and we'll talk after the break, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Sure. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delok. We will be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Yes, yes. 
Okay. Um, so we were talking before the break about your son. It does seem like you're in a very challenging situation with him. He's showing a lot of anger and rage. You mentioned that there is some bipolar and schizophrenia in your family, so I can understand you're concerned about that, and I would be too. Um, but you're worried about him and his anger and it's being out of control, and you guys are having a very hard time communicating with him. And that's the hard part, is that how do we even talk to him, along with saying that you and your husband initially were more aligned in how you were dealing with him. But now he kind of, it seems like your husband, you said something like he's saying nothing's wrong or everything's okay. So obviously we're going to have to try something different. Uh, I know you You said you met with a psychologist and I try to be mindful of how much I uh, intervene or talk about what, what's happened between someone and a mental health professional or what they're, the work they're doing. I will share my uh, thoughts is that I'm not sure that getting him arrested is going to be the solution. It, it could be that he needs some kind of wake up. So I understand that mindset, but that's usually not where I would go um, at this stage. Now, I, I would see if there's some way to communicate with him, to get in touch with him, which I think will be have to be different from what you've done in the past, obviously. And as I mentioned close to the end of the last segment, I get the sense of a controlling dynamic in your relationship with him and that you're trying to make things okay by controlling what's going on, but that's only making him feel more and more restricted and then more angry and rageful and acting out, while at the same time acknowledging, of course, the way he's expressing his anger is not okay and is concerning. So I understand you being worried about that. But when I say that, what even comes to your mind? Because I think you maybe were not seeing it the same way, but can you see that there is some element of trying to control what he does and that that turns into some of the arguments that you have with him, the disagreements? I don't think so. It's not the control. He does whatever he wants to, want, uh, to do. But uh, since uh, we, we told him uh, if you do, uh, you, we are not going to suffer to use the marijuana if you want to go to university and be pay for university or anything, you please don't use it and you don't ruin it. But uh, he said okay, and but he didn't listen. And then later we hear he starts to selling a marijuana. Right. So I get worried, and his sister uh, told me uh, he, we, we heard he's doing that. And so we get worried, and we told my husband, talk to him and tell why he is doing that. And he gets very upset, uh, my son, and then he. <clears throat> Uh, changed the subject and said, oh, I know who told you or something. And uh, the mm -hmm. main thing we want to talk and say, this is nothing, you uh, you are ruining your future or everything. Everything is turned to the somebody uh, reporting he, do, he does wrong. And then he attacks sure well and i understand and i would look i could i would tell him i understand you don't like your sister told us but she did and so you, you could be upset with her but we also need to talk about what's going on so you can acknowledge what he's saying that you don't like that she told told us and i get it he it seems like he really went uh, rageful and destroyed things and so that's uh, becomes a whole mess and you're right it was probably in a way of distracting making it about someone telling you rather than what's going on which is if he's selling marijuana that's not it's not good that's not okay um but even when you say okay you know if you want to go to school you can't smoke marijuana i understand what you're saying but 
how do you expect to enforce something like that? How can you make that happen? And this is what I mean. It doesn't mean control has to be. You're literally controlling him. But if you shift the dynamic to let's talk about what's going on, not why do you smoke weed, but I want to understand what's happening or um, what do you think is right when it comes to this? And you don't have to approve of it or say it's okay, but you're going to have to make conversations where it's not about you questioning him as why or you shouldn't do this to actually having a back and forth where he can tell you what's on his mind, what he's doing and what's going on. He told him, he, he told him to take it to the doctor while you are doing this. He said, I, uh, I couldn't go to a sleep since I don't know, 10th grade or something, so i using this one, and then I, I couldn't even talk. My friend said, even uh, since you are using this, you are more talking, or you are more relaxed, so I can And he was challenging the doctor, I'd rather use the marijuana instead of the medicine, and doctor uh, talked to him a lot, and he listened, but he wants to say no. I want to use this one, it makes me more relaxed or something, and this is the legal, and he wants to just uh, uh, challenging us, but I don't know, but he said, it's okay, if you want to do it, okay, you can do it, but we are not going to support you for the university, car, whatever, go uh, make your own money and then buy a marijuana or something, but, and then okay. Okay, get to this point. But then what do you expect what do you expect him to say to that? You say we're you, if you want to smoke marijuana we're not going to support you anymore. Do you expect him to come back with you and and be loving to you or be happy about that? He, of course he's going to be upset. You're saying we're not going to pay for your college anymore. Yeah. I so, of course. I mean who, who, who of course any anyone is going to get angry. I know his his anger seems to be extreme. But if you tell someone, okay, we're not going to pay for your college anymore, all, all of a sudden, um, of course he's going to be angry. That's that's the expected response. If you expect he was going to say, I'm so sorry, I'm never going to do it again, that's almost never going to happen when you give someone that kind of a, a threat. So I get it. You said the doctor told him these things. But to me, if you make the issue marijuana, you're going to lose because he's probably going to do it no matter what you do at this point. So if you, this is what I mean by control. You're trying to control if he smokes or doesn't. I get it. You think it's bad for him, so you want him to stop. But if you try to make that the issue that I'm going to make him stop smoking marijuana no matter what, that no matter what might include losing your relationship with him. Yes. So, so I wouldn't I, make it I about leave, that. Yeah. So I just leave him alone and... Uh, um, I don't know, leave him alone, but if he wants to use the marijuana, it's up to him. But I just said, I'm worried if he mixes it up uh, with sure. the prescription, and then uh, I am worried if in the university he gets angry and do something to the other yeah. people. And you're right, you're right. His anger is concerning. You're right. I mean, his anger is concerning if he does what he did in the house with other people, he could definitely get arrested. He could, you know, face lots of uh, penalties and consequences that would be horrible. So I understand your, I'm not saying your concern is misplaced or shouldn't be there. Absolutely, it is. Uh, yeah, mi mixing prescription drugs with recreational drugs, there could be interactions and things that happen that could be negative, of course. And then his anger and the way he's expressing it, that's something that is definitely an issue. But we're not going to get him to stop those things by just saying, hey, it's bad to get angry. 
stop or it's bad to mix these things. We're going to have to shift the dynamic of the relationship where you can actually communicate with him and have conversations, meaning your goal has to be to understand him and to talk, not to get him to do something. And right now, the conversations are usually how do I get him to stop smoking weed? And that's your goal in the conversation, not to really understand him, really hear him, try to see what's going on for him, have a conversation, see where do we find some kind of agreement. We're worried about you because we love you, but we want you to make your decisions because at the end of the day, he is going to make them. He goes away to college. If you want to try to stop him from smoking marijuana, good luck. There's nothing you can really do. Um, and if you make that the focus, you're just going to end up having fights with him and he's going to get he's going to hide it from you he'll find a way even if he was trying to do that so what i'm suggesting is it's going to be challenging but you're going to have to shift the dynamics of the relationship to where it's not about trying to get him to do this or not do this you want to talk to him about those issues and of course i'm not saying at all to um, ignore his anger it's not okay for him to do these things and there can be consequences for those things and we could talk to him even you can say what do you think is fair after what happened and I get that it you know you mentioned the I don't know if it was the psychologist said he has no empathy so maybe it's very hard to connect with him and, and I understand in speaking to you I don't know the situation I don't know what it's like it sounds very very challenging and difficult and if he's not at all willing to see the other perspective, it would be very difficult to get anywhere with him. But I hope at least you will try to show him you're going to hear his side more and see if he's open to hearing some more of what you're thinking about or worried about to get to some kind of better res resolution. You're, you're in a very difficult spot because the rage you're talking about, once someone crosses some of those lines, sometimes, unfortunately, it's easier for them to go there again. So I can also understand you're scared of him, it sounds like. I wouldn't be surprised if you are because his anger sounds scary. And obviously at some level, that's why he's doing it to get what he wants. Um, and going back to one of the first points I made, it's going to be so important for you and your husband to be aligned, to be on the same page. And so with him even, rather than saying, okay, he has to do it this way because I talked to a doctor, recognize that if you don't figure out your plan or the way you're going to approach this together, it's almost definitely not going to work. You're not going to solve this by yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I hope but you can have that conversation with him. Yeah. Maybe talk to him to convince him to go to the doctor and uh, I just want uh, to be, the, what is this anger? What is this uh, anger? He does, he does this anger since he was he break hmm. a lot of the phone, he break his, uh, he throw the, um, uh, something to her sister forehead, break his sister forehead, he, he did hmm. a lot of the thing and it's getting worse and now yeah. it's getting very worse and uh, yeah, no, I'm concerned about, yeah, there's some, definitely, you know, you mentioned the bipolar and things. There's some concerns definitely there. So again, I, I hope I did not come off as saying it's an easy solution. This is going to be hard and he might need um, even more serious medication than what he's taking, if not now, soon. I'm not saying medication is going to be the solution, but if someone has bipolar disorder, usually it's hard for it to go untreated without medication. It's almost he necessary. Have a bipolar. Well, we, you're right. They said he doesn't, and I'm not saying he does, but there's some signs that are obviously a little concerning of how extreme you're saying from a young age his anger was. Um, that's not okay. And so, it's even if you could. 
with some they, they didn't say he has the autism but they said they have a couple of them Maybe I mean there's well there, I, mean, I don't know what he has exactly going on that was there. You said something about communication. There seems to be something about impulse control that he reacts in a certain way. Something related to to emotional regulation that he just kind of seems like he can't hold things in like they become too much and so it just comes out in these ways. Uh, obviously, none of which are good even for him. So also keep that in mind that what he's doing, I'm of sorry, course, is not okay. Okay. What I was saying is, uh, I was going to say, I'm not sure how much you missed, but we have to also keep in mind that, of course, his anger is very hurtful to everyone around him, but it also is telling us that he's not okay. He's hurting. So it doesn't mean it's okay what he's doing or we excuse it, but we know that he's suffering too. He's going through some kind of extreme pain or discomfort that comes out in these ways. And so even with his anger, I know you want to f make sure we talk about what he does that's not okay and that's true but we also want to show him that we want to understand his anger why he's upset doesn't mean he can throw things doesn't mean he can break things and yell but we have to show him that his feelings matter even if how he expresses them are not okay but what's going on why is he angry what is he upset about and he might be upset with you about lots of things so even when it comes to taking him to a doctor rather than just focus on you know what you're too angry or the anger you express is not okay you have to talk to someone it could be better to also approach it as there's things we probably did that were not okay or that we did that bothered you and even maybe you can have a conversation where he gets to share that you're right, like, I don't feel good about this. So you don't attack him about his anger, but my guess is he doesn't think it's okay. Now, initially, he might say, yeah, my sister did that and what she did was worse, so I don't care what I did. I deserve to do that. That's sometimes a part of people who express anger very strongly is there's this feeling of justification that it doesn't matter what I did because what you did was worse or what you did was not okay. And that can make it difficult to communicate. So... We have to also be prepared that when we look at solutions, it might not be something that's going to be smooth. It might be that he's dealing with so much that we have to accept that it might be challenging. No matter what we do, he might still have difficulties. He might not be the easiest to relate to, but we're going to have to try to shift our strategy to see if we can understand him better, not try to control certain behaviors as much. Yes. The anger we can let him know is not okay, but trying to stop him from smoking weed or doing this or doing that, probably we won't be able to do anyway. Um, and try to shift it to try to understand him more rather than just judge him and tell him this is wrong or that was wrong. We want to know what you're feeling and what you're going through. And that will take some time because the dynamics you guys have right now aren't there. And again, I'll reiterate this because I think it's so important that you and your husband need to be on the same page in order to make things better. So even when you talk to your husband, rather than saying, don't you think we should do this? Don't you think we should do that? We can start with, are you not concerned about his anger? Because I'm concerned about that. What can we do to make things better? Now he might say nothing. It's okay. He'll get over it. But I, I hope he'll at least agree with you that there is something not okay about what's going on and we need to do something about it. Thank you. Uh, so sure. we recommend we, if we, after we talk to him, we, uh, if he accepts it, we take him to the, any doctor like this. Psychologist or the I, yes, I think psychologist, uh, but again, even in, I, I, I like that you said if he's okay, but really want to make it that he wants it, not we just even are taking him. Is that, yeah, what do you think? And, 
and, and that he thinks it'll be helpful for him. Because if you take him and he doesn't want to be there, like when he probably went to that neurologist or and they were talking about smoking marijuana, he probably, it doesn't matter what the neurologist said, he's not going to change his mind because he's already made up his mind. And you can send him articles about marijuana being bad for him and he'll send you five back saying, here's how they're, it's good for you or natural or whatever it is uh, that people will say that it's harmless. I don't think it's harmless, but... Um, it's not sometimes how people make it seem as well. So I wouldn't want him to smoke marijuana. I'm not encouraging him to, but I also understand we're not going to stop him by just telling him. So we want to make sure he's not just open to it, but wanting to. And I would speak to him that it's more that he deserves some help rather than he needs it because we see him as a problem because that's going to make him more mad and then blame you again. So you can even acknowledge, I'm sure we did some things you didn't like. And that's why we think it could be good that we go to therapy. Even in therapy, he can share what he doesn't like about what you've done, uh, you know, and then that could be a, a way where he might be more open to it rather than you're the problem. We need to go fix you, which is not going to feel as good and make him more defensive. Okay. Thank okay. You, nice talking to you. Take care. Well, it's my pleasure. And I, I hope it was helpful. You're in a very challenging position. So I really do wish you and your family the best. Good luck. Thank you, Doctor. Thank sure. Thank you for your call. All right. Let's go to another commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 310-441-0555. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, hi. Hi, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, my question is regarding my daughter who is now going to be going to the 12th grade. Mm -hmm. um, she was a top student all through her life, and now um, at this point it is critical for her to get into hopefully a good uh, university. I was uh, wondering what you think um, I need to be, you know, saying to her or just maybe how to prepare the letters, and basically where to find maybe a good advisor in Los Angeles. That's well, my concern. Right <laughs> so I, I'm definitely not an expert on any of those topics. Um, and <laughs> okay. to be perfectly honest, I have a, a lot of, uh, I take a lot of issues with how the educational system in the United States has geared yes. college entrance where it just becomes this um, really crazy battlefield where people are trying to become <laughs> these candidates and not even real people but just look good on paper and have the right scores and the right extracurriculars and yeah. you know I talk I talk to teenagers and they're in this club and that club not because they're passionate about it but because an advisor told them it's good to have a musical one a good to have a you know one that's focused on something social one that's this one that's that and and it's just really i think heartbreaking um there was a book i, I talked about recently called prepared um by i think it was diane tavin or something like that but mm -hmm. i liked that book and that mindset she was an educator um and talking about yeah diane taviner uh, you know prepared i like the title itself that schools and in general as parents trying to prepare your kids rather than just 
uh, get them accepted into a school. But I understand the mm -hmm. concern about it. What I would actually say related to that, as I said, I'm not uh, an advisor, nor do I really know who's good, is actually, if anything, to put the pressure off on this situation as much yeah. as you can. So usually yeah. parents think we have to push our kids and make them uh, want to do this more. But really, usually we make it worse. Pressure usually pushes mm -hmm. us down, not pushes us up when it's done in in certain ways. But so what are your concerns about your daughter and what's what's going on mm -hmm. with her? Well, uh, from Corona, breaking in hand because nobody knows with this situation what's going to happen next. So mm -hmm. happen, you know, bring that up right you know, nobody knows. But mm -hmm. uh, as a general rule, um, I want her to just uh, realize where she stands. Not that she should know which major or anything, because I don't put any pressure on her right, at all, and she's mm -hmm. not sure, so I'm sure she's going to figure it out. But, you know, if someone is grade 8, let's just say, um, I think they should realize <laughs> that and kind of like take advantage of it in a way if they want to. I'm not putting any pressure. Well, okay. <laughs> you're not putting pressure on me, but you might be putting pressure on her. But, you know, you're saying, um, so you're saying she's straight A. You're saying you want her to realize what, though? Do you feel like she doesn't realize her potential? Is that what you're yeah, worried I about? No, no. I, I, I think that the good news is she's extremely, in my opinion, uh, she's extremely independent, she's very social, she has leadership qualities that she's been using all through her life, if I remember. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of good factors, and liking school, being responsible, caring about grades, um, very, has many, many good friends, always hiking, out there, outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the whole thing seems okay to me. I touch wood here. Um, uh, but, you know, I don't want to put pressure on her, as you just mentioned, to say, okay, come sit down. We need, because she kind of wants to avoid it. And I don't, sorry. So if you ask me, what is it that you think maybe she doesn't realize? I don't know exactly. Because we never had that kind of. I'm, I just kind of like monitor from far, far away, mm -hmm. make sure she's on By the way, the phone, an, 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 your phone is breaking yeah. in and out a little bit. You, I, I can make out most of is what you're saying, I think. I think that's a little bit better, yeah. But I mean, yeah. so, you know, it's interesting hearing you talk about your daughter, it seems like you're saying she's doing great she's uh, socially okay academically but maybe what you're saying is you think you well one is i think you're worried about her not knowing and she doesn't need to know because even if she thinks she knows it might change anyway you know people change their mind about what they're going to doing you know in their life even you know whatever age it could be 18 it could be 31 and a half years old whatever you are you could figure it out and, and change your mind so you know you have to be ready that it doesn't matter so much to me what she says she's going to do and i think you said 
you're worried about her meeting yeah. her potential, we have to let her meet her potential. And yeah. if you want to have conversations with her, you're saying it makes her uncomfortable. Of course, these conversations might be uncomfortable in general, talking about these things in the future. Mm -hmm. But then be aware of, well, what might I be doing that might make it more uncomfortable or might not make mm -hmm. her as comfortable? Doesn't mean you are necessarily, but mm -hmm. if you want to have those conversations, you have to create the... Um, environment for her to feel comfortable and in just you calling me I'm very happy to speak with you but it does mm -hmm. seem like you're worried about something that maybe everything's okay and mm -hmm. so if you have that feeling and you talk with her she might feel this pressure or anxiety from mm -hmm. you rather than you know what I just want to know what you like oh you like you know and even if she says she likes to do something mm -hmm. that you think is not in her potential we should give her that space that no yes, you're straight a you need to go into these fields no she can say mm -hmm. I'm passionate about whatever it is um, mm -hmm. but I get the sense just that from you calling and the way you're feeling mm -hmm. that there's an anxiety you have that she's gonna mm -hmm. feel that you start talking to her and it's not, I'm curious because I want to understand, I want to know you better, I want to know what you like. It might feel more like an evaluation or judgment of what what do you want to do because I want to see if it's good enough what you want to do. Right, right. You know, long time ago when I had conversations with her, I said, well, you, you are bright and please remember that um, maybe you can go to the best school, you know, in this country. Don't kind of be intimidated by the names because you are qualified. The reason probably behind it is because maybe I was that way when I, I was younger and I felt kind of intimidated even though I was qualified. So I didn't mm -hmm. want her to get into the same, you know, trap basically. Um, but then I Well, and that's something to be, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, yeah. what you mentioned is very important because um, as parents, we always want to be aware of our own... Uh, issues exactly. and things about us because consciously or unconsciously we'll start to pass those on to our kids right. and so mm -hmm. you have to be aware of is it really something she's showing that I'm worried about or is it something myself that mm -hmm. I'm concerned about what I did or didn't yeah. do and I don't want her to do that where maybe she's not showing any signs of that so we don't right. want to assume she's intimidated because you felt that you were you know yeah yeah I kind of like explored this situation at first I kind of gave him for a tip that maybe I shouldn't have, maybe it wasn't even there and should have kind of asked her first. But then I kind of learned that she's bright enough to kind of, you know, like teach me too in a way. So mm -hmm. I learned that I'm going to just maybe ask. And, and then I realized she's comfortable with, let's say, UC school. She, she's not intimidated. She's saying, okay, let's see which one is good, blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. I was happy to that, see that, okay, she's fine. She's not, but um, at the same time, uh, sometimes when she says a school that's just maybe average, I get a little concerned, and I'm like, should I say anything? Should I interfere and say, what if you just concentrated more, let's say, on UCLA? <laughs> so you know, you know, when you when you first. But yeah, I think it's, first of all, most people will uh, um, apply to, sometimes they'll call them safety schools or other schools that usually is arranged. So I, I would let her apply to what she wants to apply to. And to be honest, you know, you first started talking, you said, I want to know what I need to do. And my mm -hmm. reaction in my head was probably nothing. You know, you mm -hmm. 
probably have to do less rather than more. It seems like she's figuring it out. You're going to be there if she wants to talk to you, to talk about anything, uh, be open to discussing it with her. But not that, you know, this the way you're talking about it is like, what am I supposed to do to get her somewhere? Because I think I know where she's supposed to go. Where one, not that I'm doubting you, it just said anyone, you don't know yeah, where yeah. she's supposed to go. And two, she is the one that's going to know where she needs to go because she knows what she wants and what she wants to do. And she's going to yeah. find her way more than you're going to guide her to some destination. So mm-hmm. I get your concern. It seems like you love your daughter. You care about her a lot. You see a lot of potential. Also, maybe in yourself, you feel like there was potential that you did not meet and you want to make mm-hmm. sure she does not do that. But really, you can't do that by forcing her or stretching her in some direction. She's going to have to fill that space herself. And the easier for her to do that, the easier way is to give her that space to fill it up. You have to allow for her to become her full potential more than you need to make her become something. So uh, I would yeah. make sure, you know, as I said, the feeling of anxiety that I can sense when we're talking about this, that you have to be aware that rather than you might think, oh, I'm going to push her in the right direction, you might make her more anxious and more scared of what's going on. So when you talk to her, if she says, I want to be, I don't want to even say a profession, whatever she says, you know, I think I want to be a, uh, and you think it's so below her, like, oh, what do you like about that? Not, oh, you know, as a straight A student, don't you think you should, you know? So you want to make it open that she can say what she wants. She can explore. She's going to explore. People go through so many different moments of, oh, I'd love to do this. I would love to do that. Maybe I'd be good at this. And they don't even really know. And so rather than picking a field for her, we want to actually encourage the process of her exploring, asking questions, being curious, trying new things, and then trusting that she's going to find her path. Path, not that you're going to guide her or even tell her where that destination is. Yeah. So um, basically, at this point, I kind of brought it up whether she's uh, okay with maybe talking to an advisor. Uh, and she was open about it. She was kind of like, in a way, I felt like she was excited even. So that okay. was kind of like a good. <laughs> well, if she, yeah, if she wants that, yeah, if she's open to it, we can, you know, give her that space. But it's again, if she wants it, we don't want to pressure her. Yeah. If it feels good to her, you know, it can help. Again, I know it's a very uh, con- uh, competitive in ways that I don't like type of uh, uh, arena right now. Um, and don't worry about it too much. Wherever she even goes to school, yeah. whatever's happening, it's going to be based on what she does after that too. So. We just want to give her that encouragement and support to get her there. Um, she's going to get herself to graduate high school and to go into college. You're just going to be a support there to gu- help her and wherever she wants to go, but not guiding her or telling her where to go. Right, right. Then the next thing, I don't know if I can ask this. It's about sure, go ahead. The situation we are facing right now with Corona. Um, you know, I am used to reading a lot, just like many other people. I did art skills and all that. And I'm like just educating myself and I'm learning how to deal with stress, meaning realizing that if you can't do anything about it, that's the point of worrying. But if there's something you can do, just do it. And then keep, keep busy with life, you know. So that's what I've been training myself. And it's working, really. Knowing myself, I think it's working. So, okay. But, you know, teenagers. Um, I don't know. I'm surprised that the schools don't send them emails to just a little bit of a tip, you know, what to do, what not to do. So it becomes, in a way, adults 
responsibility because they are not there now. And I don't know how long they're not going to be around, but we are the ones that are around them. They don't watch CNN. They don't read articles about Corona. And so I try to sometimes give some information. For example, it might be an, what you call it, air or whatever that virus is traveling through the air. I forgot the word. Uh, airborne? Or aerosolized yeah, or something? Uh-huh. I was just talking about it. You know, it's a possibility. I had read about it two months ago. Now I'm kind of reading it being more published or public information. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like I don't know. Then I want to talk to her about, okay, when you go to your friends, when you go to parks, when you go to the beach, uh, what to do. I know it's a little bit of a pressure, but at the same time, it's like a matter of, you know, life. <laughs> sure. So I mean, you, I'm, you know, and I, I think now <laughs> I can already, I feel like, you know, I yeah, I feel like emails are more information sure. for them to I, read and even review and discuss between themselves. Yeah. Probably. Zero. I understand. Yeah. But, you know, and I feel like I've put a pressure on you not to say anything that might sound like no, you're putting no, pressure no. on her. <laughs> no, I got you. But I. But what I'm saying, what I want to say about that is, you know, you can have conversations with her, but again, conversations. So if I would say, hey, I thought, what do you think about this? Or do you have any concerns? Or how do you, do any of your friends have, what do they do? And these are the things I'm, you can share you're concerned about. So I'm not saying you can't say anything, um, but you're not going to be able to tell her what to think about it. But you can say, this is no. what I'm thinking about when you see your friends or how often you're seeing them or what's going on. And then she's going to take that, but make it a conversation, not a like lecture where you're going to tell her what to do or not to do. And that's going to be true with anything, really, including what's going on, especially with the stuff like, for example, with her college, where it's more from her, less from you um, and have those kinds of conversations with her. But you're, uh, what are you specifically worried about, that she's not being careful and that she's going to get coronavirus because she's not careful? I read about this virus being airborne, and actually I read articles from scientists who uh, were writing about the beaches. Yeah, but specific, you know, and I don't know about those things enough, but what's your concern with your daughter? Okay, I think the kids, uh, even though they're smart, uh, no, but I don't want you to tell me about, I don't, I'm going to stop, I don't want you to tell me about kids, kids in general, about your daughter, what do you, yes. I'm talking about her and okay. friends, uh, the kids, I mean, the kids that I see every day, the group that they're, you know, they're all very good kids, uh, you know, but they don't take it too seriously. It took, took me a long time to, to just push it, like, hey, wear a mask, and after... Things changed a week ago in California. They took it a little bit, of course, more seriously just because they had to and everybody talking about it. But, you know, I was telling her, you know, not a bad idea just to, like, educate yourself and eat a little bit more. Just be exposed a tiny bit more so you know what is maybe, you know, more accurate and not just media, uh, whether they say yes or no. You know, educate yourself. That's why we go to school. Because my information was a little bit more scary than what we were hearing. And, you know, I I adore what the 
New Zealand is, of course, I'm not Sweden. Yeah. But let me, I'm going to stop you there for a second. What's your, what is the question you have for me about this? Oh, the question is, uh, without teenagers being exposed to this information regarding corona directly, how can we have these conversations with them nonstop? That well, that's, uh, and that's about having, you know, that's having conversations in general. You need to have more of them, but still the sense I get is not that you want to have a conversation. You want her to think what you think about it. And that's not a conversation. Conversation uh -huh. means let's talk. Here's some information I have, here's what, you know, but the way I'm getting a sense and even when we talked about college is there's a bit of a, I need her to think what I'm thinking and that's not mm -hmm. going to be a conversation. And so that, that could be why she, you said she gets uncomfortable. There might not mm -hmm. feel like there's a comfort for her to disagree with you or um, have her own opinion that's different mm -hmm. from yours. And so she won't be as comfortable if there's that pressure, which I feel a little bit in our conversation too, this pressure that, okay, I have to get her to think this or to feel this or to know this. That's not a conversation. That's mm -hmm. you trying to give her orders or inject your mind mm -hmm. into her mind. And so if you wanna have a conversation, it should feel more light, it should feel more open. Now, maybe with something related to health, it's a little more serious, but still, in general, I want you to think about this um, theme or dynamic that it could be that when you talk with her, it's coming on more strong than you realize. You might think, oh, I just asked her about something or I told her about something, but her experience might be much more that you're pushing something on her mm -hmm. or trying to get her to think some way or that she doesn't have the space to disagree with you. So we have to mm -hmm. encourage disagreement uh, that it's okay to think differently from me. So a conversation has to be very much a two-way thing, not how do I get her to think what I think or know what I know or feel what I feel. No. It's, it's, you know, it's challenging. Uh, I was speaking a couple of days ago that we, we have children, uh, obviously, without brochures. <laughs> yeah. Par <laughs> parenting is the, the hardest job. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Being a parent is the hardest role or job you, you can have. So, so I understand. You know, believe it or not, I feel like it's the hardest because we are not educated for it. And why not? That's sure well we're not educated in some formal way from the outside but we we can do our own work and i think people should both in um for getting married and also in a, in a marriage but also as parents uh, sometimes you know you can joke that people take more time planning their uh wedding than they do planning their marriage or preparing for marriage yeah. and that's a problem even and same thing with parenting yeah even more studying than um, uh, yeah i agree we don't I get agree. educated, so then afterwards we have to fix it. We well, not just fix it. Now. We don't know anything well, on top of anything again. Well, I wouldn't say you can't. It's not about fixing. You can't change the past, but we continue growing. You've everyone makes mistakes, and even if you study everything, you're going to make mistakes. But that's okay. Right. But you want to continue growing and reflecting on yourself as a parent, as a partner, whatever it is, and seeing how you can get better. It takes also, yes, yeah, studying things and learning, but also a lot of self-reflection to see how the things you are doing and not doing that uh, make you good wow. or not good or can make you better as well. But All I appreciate right. your call. Best Thank of luck you. to you and your daughter. Your daughter seems fine. Just let her do her thing. Thank you. <laughs> nice talking Thank to you. you. Take care. Thank you very much. All right. Sure. Appreciate Let's go to another commercial break. Another commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back, studio number 
310-441-0555. You know, the previous segment was talking with a mom um, dealing with her daughter and concerned about her daughter. And so don't want to make it specific to her because she's no longer on the line and um, won't be able to communicate her thoughts or her side of things too. But this is so, something that comes up with every parent, this feeling of concern for our kids, that we want them to be successful we want them to meet their potential and so very often we think well if i want them to become successful to reach certain goals i have to do a lot to make that happen i gotta uh, push and pull them in certain directions i have to do this do that make them realize uh, stretch them in certain ways to get them there to as i was saying with her that we get them to some destination because that's the whole goal rather than recognizing one that whole idea of destination that we know what's the right life for them or what would be a successful life fulfilling life or meaningful life is not actually something we know we don't know what the best career is for our child or what is uh, the best way for them to live their life or things for them to get interested in uh, we can expose them to a lot of things that's great but we can't assume we already know so What's actually happening is we think we have to give them the destination when rather what we want to do is give them the compass and let them find their way. Because what they're trying to get towards, what we're actually trying to create for them when we say make them have a happy life, fulfilling life, a good life, is we, we're trying to allow them to find that way to what is that happy life for them. Not only that, as the cliched statement kind of goes, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. That it's not that we just know what the destination is and we march our ways there. We actually have to try to find our way and in finding our way, we also find the way. By trying things, we see what we like and don't like and we go in that direction or we might go in a different direction or it might open up something else for us, something else that we find interest or passion in. So I can completely understand the anxiety and the feelings about wanting our kids to find what they want to do, to meet their potential, to not sell themselves short, um, to understand that they can reach for the stars and all the other great things we want for them and try to tell them. But we have to recognize that we can't take them there or push them there. They're going to have to carry themselves there. And, and our role is, uh, you know, as I say, carry them there. Uh, we can't push them there. We want to just support them on the way. It's kind of like if you, I was imagining in that moment, someone running a race, you can give them some water. If they're running a marathon, you know, people stop every so often and give them water. They're not carrying the people further, but that might support them. But they're letting them take every step to get to that journey, and that journey to get to that destination. We allow for them to have that space to do what they want to do, knowing only they can do it but we're gonna give them the support in the ways that we can. So as a parent, of course, you're giving them love, nurturing, all these good things, but in a lot of ways, more than anything, you're getting out of the way, meaning you're allowing them to become who they are. I use this analogy a lot because I really like it, of imagining that your child is a seed that you have been given, and you're given this seed, this wonderful, unique thing, and you don't know what type of plant it is going to become. But all you can do is make sure you give it what it needs, the environment, the sustenance, the nurturance to grow into the plant that it can be. So you put it in the dirt, make sure the dirt is full of nutrients, make sure it gets water, sunlight, all of those things. And then you watch and allow for it to grow and support it along the way. 
but you don't say, you know, the most beautiful flowers are this way, or even a flower is better than other plants, so let me stretch it in this way, let me make it a rose. Some people don't even like roses, but so you think I have to make it this way, make it this color, because you think you know what's the best thing or the right way for them to be. But that's not true. You don't know what actually is their full potential or is their potential or is the expression of themselves. That can only be known within the individual, just like the potential of the plant is within the seed. You can't put it in there. You can't tell it what it is. It's within that seed. The potential of your child is within that child itself. They can know when we allow them to access that, when we allow them to grow into who they want to be, to determine how they want to express who they are, to express who they are to that fullest potential. So rather than trying to stretch and pull and squeeze um, the plant that is growing into what you think is right, which again, we don't even know what is the right way to be, period, but let alone for a specific individual, we provide the environment and let that plant grow into whatever it's supposed to become in its fullest way and actually will probably realize that what they'll become if we allow them to is more beautiful more amazing than anything we could have tried to just create by trying to make someone become something or to force them to be this way or to push them to be what we think is the right way of being so more than anything we get out of the way we give them love we give them support and more than actually telling them become this or be that we can teach them values or things that are important in life, and those can be important to understand and make sure you're living a value-driven life yourself, but also uh, parenting in a value-driven way, and then let those be the kind of north stars or guiding posts that allow your child to recognize what are things that are good. For example, working hard, doing things that are kind, doing things that help make the world a better place, but then within those values, finding their way of expressing it. So really we've been blessed when we're given a child with the seed. We don't know what that seed can become. We definitely don't know what it should become, but we are going to give it all the love and nurturing that we can to allow it to grow to its full potential. And then we get to sit back and watch as that potential unfolds and it becomes that beautiful thing, that beautiful plant, tree, flower, whatever it might be but allow ourselves to enjoy that beauty and also for that child themselves to enjoy the beauty of what they become when they're allowed to express who they really want to be. Let's go into our last commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So in today's show, both callers were uh, parenting calls, different types of themes, actually same age. And so I wanted to continue for the last segment today talking about parenting. So in the last segment, I was mentioning how we want to give our kids that uh, space to grow into the potential that they are to meet that full potential, whatever that seed is to become that beautiful plant that they are, knowing that we actually don't know what is their full or right potential, and we have to give them that space to find that and to become that. And I was talking about controlling earlier, it came up in the calls, and it's a very easy thing to say to someone, oh, don't control your kids, and it's bad to control your kids, and I don't think anyone would agree 
or think that it's good to control someone or control your kids. Uh, but that's why it could be worth talking about. So to begin with, when we look at many topics like control, or I've talked on recent shows on things like open-mindedness, everyone thinks they're right about how much they do that thing. Um, and they think that others might do it too much, but what they're doing is okay. So everyone thinks they're open-minded about things that they think about and they think that everything they're not open-minded about it's because they're right they know the truth so i'm not going to be open-minded about um, if the the sun is going to come up tomorrow or right now i'm looking outside and the sky is blue i don't think i need to be open-minded about things i know but i'm open-minded on other things and so this is why everyone thinks they're open-minded but then you feel like they're closed-minded because there's something that you feel more open-minded about but to them, it seems like it's a truth, what they think or they believe. And so same with controlling. And even I realize I asked the parents today and it comes up, if you ask someone if they're controlling, almost always they think no, because they think what they're doing is in the best interests of their child. If they're doing something or trying to do something for their child, telling them to do something, it's all in the best interests uh, of loving their kid, of giving them the best potential of giving them the best outcome. So most people are not going to be aware if they are being controlling. Now, taking a step back, where does this sense of wanting to control come from? Well, in general, we don't like uncertainty in whatever ways it comes up. It brings up feelings of anxiety when we don't know what's going to happen how something is going to turn out and this is why in our lives right now many people feel uncertain about the future and what's going on so we see spikes in in anxiety and it might actually make people try to control certain things whether it's mentally get control or uh, actually take some actions that give them a sense of control to feel better if we look at uh, obsessive compulsive disorder one of the things that's going on is we have this anxiety or uncertainty that comes up and people do these compulsions, these actions that somehow give them peace of mind or give them a sense of control. Even though it might seem totally bizarre to think that if you check a lock 23 times, it's gonna tell you uh, or it's gonna make sure that your parents are safe, but that's the feeling it gives them, that relief that they have to do this thing to get control. So control comes from a reaction or response to anxiety. When we are afraid about a certain outcome, we want to take control. If you are nervous that your child won't do good in school and that's going to mess up their career and their life going forward, you might try to step in and take control. And so usually it doesn't feel like you're taking control. It seems like you're just helping. Something bad was about to happen and I'm preventing it. That's not control. Uh, and in a lot of cases, that's true. If your child is about to go on the street and a car is crossing and you grab your child, we wouldn't say, oh, you're controlling your kid. We would actually say, wow, you saved your kid's life or whatever. You might have protected them in some way, but we definitely wouldn't use the word control. And so this is where it can be very complicated and challenging as a parent to try to recognize what am I doing with the behaviors I'm doing or what am I doing um, with the conversations I'm having with my child and the restrictions I'm putting or not putting on them and looking for that sense of, is it control? As I talked about with both parents and I always recommend with parents I work with is to try to create conversations with our kids. So uh, usually what we're doing with our kids is we think, okay, I need to get them to know something or to not do something, to understand something. And so a lot of parents think that most of parenting is lecturing in the right way. So I need to 
teach my kid that studying is right. Let me come up with my TED talk and my slideshow to show them why studying is good. And I'll tell them stories about people who didn't study and how bad their life became and people who did study and how good their life became and my stories of studying. And by giving them this grand, great lecture, I'm going to convince them that studying is good and now they're going to study hard. And unfortunately, usually when you start that lecture before 10 seconds into it, your child is no longer listening to you because communication doesn't happen in lectures and especially doesn't happen in forced lectures. I, I can recognize the irony as I'm talking to you here. I am speaking to you in a kind of lecture format, but of course the understanding is that you're coming here to receive that lecture for me to share that with you. So if your child says, tell me about what you think about studying, well, that's a different idea that you can then present them with some thoughts you have and what's going on. So it has to be a two-way street when we're looking at communication. If they want to hear what you have to say, great, share your insights, your wisdom, your thoughts. I would still recommend that even if you do that, turn it to a conversation where you then also ask your child, what do you think or what are your ideas, both on what I said and also just on the topic, to make it a conversation, to also show them you value their opinion, you want for them to value their own opinion as well, and shift that dynamic into a conversation. So we usually think we have to get our kids to understand something because we know what's right and wrong. And as I mentioned in the previous segment, we do want to instill in them good values, but more than anything, we want to instill in them a compass that they will then find their way, that we're not going to be directing them. And so we have to recognize when we want to control our kids that anxiety is what's pushing us. So we always want to evaluate what I'm doing, because like I said, we often can have low self-awareness about control and when we're controlling someone. But if we recognize, you know what, what am I worried about with what's going on here? Okay, I'm worried my kid, if they don't do their homework, and usually it's not just about not doing their homework, we take it steps ahead. Not do their homework, maybe they get sad, maybe they get depressed, they don't get good grades, then they don't go to college, then they don't have a good life, and they're unhappy. And if you take it all the way to its end extreme, you see that you're turning them not doing their homework in this moment into something that's ruining their life forever. So of course, if you're thinking about their life being ruined forever, you think you should do anything and everything to prevent that from happening. How could I not, as a good mom or dad, do everything I can to prevent them from ruining their life? But we have to take a step back and recognize, okay, that feeling is coming up, that this is going to lead and cascade to all these horrible things. But that's not necessarily the case. That's me just going to an extreme because of this anxiety that is scared of this uncertainty or something bad happening. And maybe I can actually be okay with things not being okay. Or I can be okay with not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Because the interesting thing about control is, one, very often it backfires. You try to control your kid not to do something, it might actually make them more likely to do that thing. And even still, when we maybe they listen to us or let us control them, it's very hard to control things to go a certain way. We as individuals have a very hard time controlling our own actions all of the time. Hopefully we do things we feel good about and are pretty consistent, but all of us struggle to uh, do something every time right or the way we think is good. So to think you're going to control your kids, not only is it a bad strategy as far as what you're doing is going to probably damage the relationship, but on top of that, you're almost always not going to get the result anyway. So it doesn't really work. And so it's realizing that letting go, as hard as that can be, is usually the better thing to do. 
and it came up with that caller when she asked, what should I do? And I said, more than anything, she's probably going to have to do less, not do more and get more involved. And, and we want to have that mindset that my child is going to grow into taking care of the things themselves. By controlling them, I'm not going to lead them to a place where they feel stronger and better about who they are. I'm only going to show them that the world is scary and that I know and I have to make the decisions for them. And so even less they'll rely on themselves, even less they'll believe in themselves to know what to do. And this is why I talk often about our parenting philosophy and we want to make sure we don't fall into the trap of a pain prevention philosophy of parenting where we just look at the moment and think, well, what's the way uh, that's least painful or least uncomfortable for my child and let me do that every time. And it could feel a little bit paradoxical or counterintuitive to many people and parents when you think, is it my job to make my kids happy? Shouldn't I try to make them feel good? And in an overall sense, of course, yes. But it doesn't mean that when they're in a moment, you prevent the pain, uh, which might also prevent their growth. If they're working on a project, it might be hard for them, but it doesn't mean you stop them, you say, good, let me support you, let me encourage you, because this pain is leading you to growth in this moment and overall as a person. So we can't be tied into this moment-to-moment -moment experience of, does my child feel good or bad, and letting that make the full decision. Of course, we don't want our kids to unnecessarily feel pain, but we want them to feel the discomfort or pain that comes with trying something new, that getting pushed out of their comfort zone making decisions even if it's hard and not knowing the result we don't even know and so sometimes parents see their kids making a decision like up oh, that's gonna be wrong so let me just tell him the right thing to do or let me tell her why that's the wrong decision rather than sometimes allowing them to make a decision and face the consequences and then learn from that so control comes from anxiety and it also comes from the space of I don't want my child to feel pain in this moment and in the future because we think that's our role as a parent rather than recognizing that our role going back to this analogy of developing a plant is to let them grow into their full potential and when something grows there is some pain it has to break through certain things in order to actually grow there has to be some discomfort and what i always ask parents and also on an individual level is is this pain towards growth or is this pain that leads to damage pain that leads to damage we want to avoid both in ourselves and with our kids if they're doing something that really is going to damage them in a deep level that's not growth that's just going to leave them in a worse situation but sometimes it could be hard to determine is the pain they're going through actually contributing to their growth because sometimes they can look the same in the moment they just don't feel very good and as a parent you might react and say oh they don't feel good let me take that away but we might take away their opportunities for growth in that process as well, which actually is not a loving thing to do. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do for someone is to step back and let them go through something. Doesn't mean we're neglecting them, and it doesn't mean we neglect them overall, but sometimes in moments allowing someone to struggle or deal with something, knowing you're there, they have your love and support that you're there, but allowing them to go through it themselves actually is the most loving thing we can do. And this is why when I was speaking to that mother, I was saying, you know, parenting is so hard. And of course, she was agreeing. It's the hardest thing to do because there's no blueprint that it's exactly this time to intervene or the time to let them struggle a little bit. It's not always going to be black and white. And a lot of times it won't be clear. But we want to make sure we're evaluating and thinking about what we're doing. Am I preventing my child from growing? And 
using the disguise of saying I love you and I'm trying to prevent your pain, that actually isn't love to prevent growth. That's actually sometimes the most harmful thing we can do. And so controlling comes from this mindset of I'm anxious, I'm worried about the outcome, I want to make it become a certain way. Letting go means I realize I can't control it anyway and I'm not supposed to. Very hard to do, but it's something we can always work on. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. A big thank you, as always, to Ghazaleh in the studio, who allows me to do the show remotely. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful day.